Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church, and uh, my name's Tim. You all probably know who I am, but uh, I know some people have been asking about celebration. When are we going to have a celebration? And, and uh, we're scheduling one in two weeks on January 27th here at the building at 6 p.m., so if you want to write that down. Uh, today we've been starting the new year, 2019. I remember as a five-year-old, just imagining how old I'd be at the year 2000, and not thinking much beyond that until uh, maybe later on, I started thinking, wonder what it's going to be like uh, when, you know, after 2000, maybe 2020, what's it going to be like? Here we are, 2019 already. And we've been looking at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of everything you and I do. And it's our thoughts. What goes in this head we have? Because it is all in your head. Everything you do, everything you, everything you say comes from these thoughts that we have inside our head. Look at this Henry Ford quote I've got up on the screen. This is Henry Ford. He said these words, thinking is the hardest work in the world. That's why so few people engage in it. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I wonder if that's true. And I got to thinking, now wait a minute. Um, we do think, though, we, uh, everybody thinks, is he talking about just all these thoughts that we have? Because before you go to bed tonight, you'll have had over 10,000 separate thoughts. So it's not that we're not thinking. 3.5 million in a year. Your brain's active, my brain's active, and it's filled with all kinds of thoughts. And he's talking about something else. He's talking about focused thinking, talking about strategizing, talking about concentration here. And so that's what I want us to look at as we're looking this year. What are we going to think about? What what kind of thoughts do I want to have? I mean, there's been thoughts I've had in 2018. I don't want to have in 2019. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I don't want to dwell on that in 2019. Something that happened in 2013 or 2010 or whatever. I want to think about better things and and wholesome thoughts, good thoughts, right thoughts, true thoughts. We're talking about truth today how to fill our minds with true things. I don't know what your mind was full of. I was getting ready to say what you were full Somebody says you're full of it. But I, but what, what your mind is full of. But I know there's all kinds of things. Uh, just praying with people. We had our little group of prayer. You know, Val and I and Chris and Jim and Suzanne, we're praying. And I'm listening to the prayers of these people. We're praying for people. You know, Debbie Weiler's sick. Val is still dealing with the loss of his wife. Even the songs we were singing this morning, one of the songs we sang this morning was Deanna's favorite song. So, you know, we have all these thoughts that go through our mind. And sometimes we're a prisoner of those thoughts. They just keep hammering on us. And, and, and if they're good thoughts, it's wonderful. But when they're hard thoughts, negative thoughts... Anxious thoughts, sad thoughts, they can be overwhelming, am I right? They can be a little bit overwhelming. And you can't just say, well, I'm not going to think about it. No, I'm going to have to replace these thoughts that I don't want to have with something much better. And so I read this this week. Um, I read a bunch of stuff just on thinking in general. And I'm not big into psychobabble stuff, but I know psychology may have its place somewhere. I don't know where sometimes. But um, I read this, that this person just said, you know, I've made, reached a conclusion. I don't even know if you have to know psychology to know this, that you cannot have two thoughts in your brain at the same time. Now, I know some of you here, well, I'm a Gemini. Well, I am too. And we can do, the. You know, it says it says in our, our astrological sign that we can do two things at the same time. I, that may be true, but I can't think of two things at the same time. They're back and forth. They're all over the place. 
Though only one thought can occupy my mind at a time, and just like everybody else, you know, that's in this room, you can only think of one thought at a time. You can't think of two thoughts at a time. So that means you get to choose. When you stop and think about it, you can actually choose. Even when a thought comes in, we were talking about this, talking to some, some fellows the other day, you, you get this random thought, how do I get rid of it? Well, I'm just not going to think it. And we'll, and we'll say, no, I'm not thinking anymore. And that can work. And sometimes it's, I've got to think about something else, or I'll dwell on this all the time. The Bible even tells us, since we can't think of two things at the same time, no, and knows this, look what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3. Think about the things above and not things on earth. He says you can choose. Think about what's above, what's from God, from heaven. And not so much, don't think about what's on the earth, because there's plenty. We were talking about this earlier, you know, um, you, you, if you watch CNN or Fox or listen to Rush Limbaugh or listen to whoever or read some news feed, after a while you're going to be having nothing but political thoughts in your brain or you're going to have entertaining thoughts in your brain. What's Lady Gaga going to wear this time? What's Taylor Swift going to do this time? You know, uh, and, and what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to Kevin Spacey? I want to know. And how's Bill Cosby doing? These, I mean, and, and article after article, and a lot of these we're we say we're we're learning. We're just beginning to understand. There's a such of there's such a thing as fake news. I remember when I was a kid. If you read in a newspaper, it had to be true. And guess what? Not everything in the newspaper was true. I'll give you an example, Tim. The weather. <laughs> The forecast is calling for this and this and this and this. And I'm going, I wish they'd, well, I'll tell you what, if we stoned, if we, if we executed every weatherman that was wrong, there'd be no weathermen. They'd change it. We're weather advisors. Well, they're already doing that now, aren't they? Because they know we're not sure if we're right sometimes. And sometimes they hit it on the head. And they love to rub it in our faces. But most of the time, it's been, it's been proven you can flip a coin and get just as good a weather forecast as watching Channel 5 or Channel 2. What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm simply saying it's all this stuff, and I'm, I'm just a victim of it as much as you. I've got my little news feeds. I've got Flipboard. I've got my little news icons that I'll read through. And all this news is coming at you. You know, people have, you know, Pat Boone's wife died, you know, 94. I didn't know she was alive. But why do I have that thought in my head now? I don't know, but it, for a second there, that's all I could think about. And, that, and that's what happens to us. Random, back and forth. I'm not the only guy that jumps tracks in conversations. I know that. And I'm not the only man in this church or, or person or Christian that loses their train of thought. Woo, woo, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Another thought comes in and holds my brain hostage for two seconds. And I'm yelling squirrel or something else. And I'm in another world. We learned that last week. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And our brain has a great imagination. Think about things above. So I have to choose. Why? Because don't think about things so much on earth. Why? Because you can't trust the things on earth. I typed in. Uh, most reliable source of news. You already know what happened. CNN has that. 
most reliable source of, and immediately under it was a site, all the mistakes CNN's making. Then Fox were true and fair. And then underneath it, where Fox hasn't been true or fair. It just doesn't end. Why do I need to think about what I think about? Why do I need to think about things above and not things on earth? Because what you and I think about controls our lives. It shapes our lives. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that lesson uh, from last week, someone said, uh, boy, Ted, that was really good. Yeah, I got a lot of that. I got a lot from other people. And I won't tell you, it helped me, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. I thought it helped you like it helped me. And if you haven't listened to that, listen to it again. You might have listened to it several times. I've had to. I've had to look at those notes several times going, yeah, yeah. Because my thoughts shape my life. That's why the Apostle Paul encourages believers in the church of Philippi to to fill their minds with the best thoughts available. Look at this in Philippians 4. This is the passage we're going to be looking at over and over again. Brothers and sisters, think about this. This is an interesting uh, translation. Think about, that is, that other words, focus your thoughts on, fill your minds with things that are true and honorable and right. In other words, just and pure and beautiful. In other words, lovely. And respected, commendable. If there's anything that is good, morally excellent, and worthy of praise, think about, in other words, focus those thoughts, fill your minds with these things. Where do I get thoughts like these? Where do thoughts like these come from? Good, right, true, pure, beautiful, respected. Oh my goodness, worthy of praise. Lovely thoughts, honorable thoughts, truthful thoughts. Because every a lot of thoughts I have are lies. I just want to admit to you, they're lies. I lie to myself. You ever lie to yourself? This cupcake won't hurt me. You ever ever lie to yourself and say, well, you know, and it's funny, we start lying to ourselves, that's when we start disagreeing with God. We'll say, well, does God really mean that? Did He really mean that? I don't think so. We tell these lies. Oh, it's not hurting anybody. It's not that big a deal. These are lies we tell ourselves. And we have these lying thoughts all the time. And think about it. They affect what we say and do all the time. So, where do these, where do thoughts like these of Philippians 4 come from? Well, let me give you some that they don't come from. You can't rely on. I can't rely on my culture. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's right. Majority doesn't always make it right. Trends. The trends. Again, back to the, with my culture. The trends that happen in our culture. Well, there's a trend. I remember when bell bottoms used to be, uh, pants used to have these big bells. You can't find them now. And then they come back for a little while. People wear the hair different. When I was a kid, they do now. Views of people. What used to be a cool movie is now a racist movie or a sexist movie. Am I right? It's like it's things. Our culture's constantly changing, saying what is right, what is wrong, what is true, and what is false. We can't rely on our customs. That's the second one. I can't rely on my customs. What do you mean? I'm talking about, listen, 
we talk about we don't want to be a traditional church. I remember years ago, we, we, we'd hear, we're not going to be a traditional church. And someone leaned over and goes, we already are. Our tradition is not to be traditional. And, and by the way, you have traditions and customs, personal, family, customs and traditions, right where you're sitting. I've believed this so long that I think it's true. We'll say it this way. Well, that's true for you. This is true for me. This works for you, but this works for me. You know what that's built on? Truth is built on there? On personal preference. And not God's principle. It's built on my preference, what I like. I'd like to believe this is true. I'd like to say this is true. I want to believe this is true. You ever had something you go, I want to believe that, and then someone just shatters it with the facts? Oh man, you just ruined everything. It's because I have this personal tradition. Number three, I can't count on my reason. It just seems logical. And by the way, this is a tricky one, because sometimes my conscience is a good guide, because when it's educated by the Lord... It can really help. So now, I think one time, uh, uh, somewhere in the book of Proverbs, it says, uh, "It's what seems right. It seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death." And so I can, I can, ha- I can just be wrong, logically wrong. I'm just not. What were you thinking? I thinking something that wasn't quite true, and it had an impact on what just came out of my mouth. Or that decision I was just about to make or I've, or I've already made. Another thing I can't really rely on are my emotions. Oh my goodness, they get in the way all the time. This subjectiveness of this. Well, it just feels right. And I know what you're saying. I, I've said that, oh, that just feels right. But the problem is, is that I might feel differently next week. Does that mean it was wrong last week? Does it mean it's all of a sudden right now this week? See, the problem with feelings is they change. And and that's the problem with emotions and reason and customs and culture. The cultures change. The customs change. My reasoning changes. Situations change. But But there is one thing that doesn't change. There's one thing that I can rely on, and and that's this. I can rely on God's Word. You see, look what the Bible says here. As for God, this is what David says, His way is perfect. The Lord's Word is flawless. Hebrews 6 says it's impossible for God to lie. So what do you, what's, what's he mean by this? It's, it's flawless. His way is perfect. It means it has no lies in it. Because it's divine. It's from heaven, not from earth. That's why I should focus on heavenly things. Because what God gives me from heaven is pure and flawless. I can't find that on earth. It's also absolute. No matter what the culture says, no matter what the customs are, no matter how I feel, the truth is true no matter what. It fits. Customs can change. Feelings can change. My situation can change. But truth stands, God's truth stands the test of time. 
It's also objective. God doesn't say, well, I feel like this today, so I'm going to say this is what we ought to do. Oh, I've changed my mind. I feel like this now. And we're going to, no, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is objective. It isn't swayed by a feeling. Thank God. You know, maybe your mother was that way. She was never, my grandmother was, she wasn't swayed. No, you, what you did was wrong. You're going to pay. Okay? And God and grandmothers, maybe they have that in common. I don't know. And it's also immutable. It doesn't change. It stays constant. So, as we're looking at this whatever is true thing, and I want to fill my mind with what, whatever is true, it's going to have to involve how I approach the Word of God. If this is the only true thing I can count on, then how you and I approach God's Word is going to have a great impact on whether or not truth is going to be in my mind constantly. If I'm going to have this this idea of truth, filling my mind with truth. I found this passage, I, you know, I always, I know I say this, I've never seen this verse, I've seen it, I just read over it. Job, who's had all kinds of things happening to him, all kinds of thoughts going through this mind, his mind. His culture is saying, you've done something wrong. His friends are saying, something's messed up, Job. You're, you're suffering for, or something's up here. His friends are saying that. His body, his consequence, he's feeling like, man, he, I could just imagine these thoughts coming in that aren't true. All these lying thoughts. And look what he says to one of his friends. He says, I haven't wandered away from the commands that he has spoken. Look at this. I've treasured what he has said more than my own meals. He's saying, I'm more concerned and focused on filling my mind with what God says than filling my stomach with food. That's how much, and that's what's got me through this. It's because when I start thinking, remember how many times, Job, you've sinned. No, I haven't. I have not sinned. Who was right? His friends or Job? Job was correct. He's lost his family. He's lost his health. You lose your health, how does that make you feel? You lose a family member, how do you feel? Awful. You don't think it has an impact on what you say and do? How you approach life in general? I listened to somebody this morning say, when my mother died, I walked out the door. I was done. Don't tell me losing a family member doesn't have a major impact on how we think. Because it does. It messes with us. And Job had lost his whole family. Lost all of his livestock. It was shredded financially. And he says, what got me through this was treasuring what God said, not what my feelings, my circumstances, and my friends, my culture was to say. I trusted God's word and his thoughts over mine. I want the, I don't, I don't want you to know. I wish for you this. I, I desire this. I know that the leadership here desires this. We want you to have the best thoughts you could possibly have in 2019. But I want to tell you, that will not be easy. Because it will take a disciplined mind to achieve this, to have the best thoughts available to you. You'll have to choose. Nobody will be able to do it for you. You'll have to choose. And can I say, first of all, make this choice this morning, at the beginning of this year, I'm going to choose the Word of God to be that final standard for what I think. So how do I fill my mind with what is true? Well, first, number one, I receive the Word of God. 
What do you mean by receive the Word of God, Tim? I take it in. I obtain it. I, I find ways to get it. I find how to accept it. I want it deep in my mind, deep in my heart. Look at James 1.21 here. This is an interesting version. So after getting rid of all moral filthiness and overflowing wickedness, receive with humility the Word planted in you. I know what I notice is before I can fill my head, I need to look at what fills my heart. I may have to get some things out of my heart to make room for the thoughts that God has for me. He's, James is saying, you gotta get rid of some things. Gotta get rid of some filthy things and some wicked things. And he says, and receive with what? Humility. Psalms 10.4, look at this passage. The wicked people are too proud. They do not look for God. There's no, Look at this, the results. There's no room for God in their thoughts. What's he saying here? My attitude determines my aptitude. The attitude I have, my approach to the Word of God, my approach to what God, to the Lord and to what He has to say is going to have a big impact on what I think. David knew this. Look here in Psalms 25. Let him encourage you this morning. Look at his desire. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. He's saying all day long I think. I'm thinking of what you, what you're teaching me. What you're leading me to do. Instead of trying to prove how much he knows, David admits how much he needs to learn. That's what humility is, see. Humility is saying, I have this, I, I have this desperate need, a deep need to know the Word of God well. And when I was a kid, well, when I was a new believer, baby Christian, I remember studying with Denise beforehand, and I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, I go, man, I've never learned so much Bible in my life. I mean, I went to church every Sunday, went to classes, you know, spent lots of time in my Bible, but I never learned so much till someone opened up the Bible, and it was Denise, and she goes, could we look at some things? And we're looking at it, and I'm going, how am I missing this? How am I missing this? And I just remember going, man, I, I don't know as much as I think. And when I became a Christian, I thought, there must be something wrong with me. I'm not very educated. There must be something wrong. I, I just don't know how to comprehend the Bible. I, I know there's somebody in here, in this room, you wonder yourself, can I even comprehend? Tim, you seem to know so much the Bible. I know there was a day I didn't think I could learn anything from the Bible. It isn't easy to receive the Word of God when you're full of pride. When you think you know. And when you're 20-something, you think you know it all. I'm telling you, it's, it's not till now I'm in my 60s, I'm going, oh my goodness, I don't know if I know anything anymore. No, I, 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 God's Word, I've I got to see my need for it, and then I've got to open my heart to the Word of God. Have you really opened your heart to God? And said, Lord, teach look at that. Teach me by your truth. Lead me by your truth. Teach me your truth. 
See, humility prepares my heart to recognize and receive truth. Remember that passage in James 1 on your notes, James 1, 21? talks about humbly receive the word planted in you. Remind me of the parable of the sower. And what do we see there in the parable of the soils? We see all those different hearts. The word of God is trying to get in. And what's keeping some of some of from growing? A stubborn heart, the path. Stubborn heart. I'm just stubborn in my ways. I don't want people telling me what to do. I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't like that. That's pride, by the way. And it pushes out any room for God's Word. Stubborn. Superficiality. Or just being superficial. That's this, this, the, the, the shallow soil. Being superficial. Having a superficial heart. I'm just content with knowing a few facts. I'm good. I'll let the experts do the rest. And then when something happens, I have no deep-seated faith to help me through it. I'm in it for the fun, for the songs, for the food. Superficial. Is the sermon going to be taking care of something I really need to work on? You know, I need uh, I, I, the relationships. I want the friendships, the connection. It's all superficial. Because sometimes, folks, when life hits you, your friends aren't around. Most of the time, i found that to be true. My friends aren't around. And a cool song doesn't come to my mind. Or a fuzzy feeling just doesn't get it for me. I'll tell you what does help me. Recalling the Word of God. The truth. When I'm surrounded by a lot of lying situations. So there's the parable, is the stubborn heart, the superficial heart, and the sidetracked heart. They got all these, these things are growing like crazy. They're weeds, and they're so sidetracked by job and family and, and their body, their, their, their success, their careers. They don't really have much of the word growing. It kind of chokes the rest of it out. There's no room for the word of God to receive it. And it's not until we get to that last soil in that parable, the good soil. And what's it represent? The surrendered heart. The humble heart. That just says, I don't know everything. I don't know what to do. Lord, teach me. Lead me. Teach me your truth. And what's interesting is all of the soils, whether I'm stubborn or superficial or sidetracked, can all be made surrendered by a choice. Just simply saying, Lord... I've, I've got my mind too much on career or too much on, on getting this done and getting that done. I'm not hearing you. I'm going to have to make some adjustments. You see, before it can get here, i got to deal with it. Is there room in it here? What's my attitude? Is it, is it crowding out the Word of God or is it just attracting and bringing it in, bringing in God's truth? And that happens when I fill my heart with humility. So I receive the Word of God. If I want, if I want to have what's true in my mind all the time, or most of the time, it starts with, I've got to work on this attitude. And there's a lot of things I know happening to you and happening to me that mess with our attitudes that can make it very difficult for us to receive what God is saying. Number two, I read God's Word. I read God's Word. If you want to fill your mind with truth, you open your heart and then open your Bible. Look at Psalms 119, 
David says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. He says, oh Lord, open my eyes. What's he mean? His eyes' eyes? Is he talking about his physical eyes here? Or is he talking about the eyes of his heart? His eyes of his mind? Oh, open my mind. Open my heart. Because he he realizes, unless I do that, I will not see very many wonderful things in the Bible. I'll just see genealogy stuff. You know what I'm saying? He begat, he begat, he begat. Oh, please, get this. Stop, stop the madness. He begat. Of course he begat. And who is that guy begat? You know, I mean, after a while, he just, it's all just mush. But when I open my eyes, I begin to go, I see stuff. I notice stuff. And it can change my life. I mean, ask yourself, how many Bibles do you own? Gob of them, huh? Some of you got a gob of them. I got a Bible. I don't know why we talk like this. I do. I got a Bible from my great, great, great grandfather who used to be a preacher and he would preach. He had on his plow. There's a true story. He had on his plow on the easel and he'd be preaching while he's plowing and you could hear him two miles away. How many Bibles you got? I still got that Bible. I open it up. And what's weird, really weird is where he marked in his Bible, I marked there too. What's going on? It's weird. How many Bibles you own? I got a gob of them. How many translations are you, are you accessible to? And if you count the web, just the web. Oh my goodness, there's a translation for everybody. And have you ever done it yourself? I've got my own version. I'm sure you have. Yeah. What am I saying? I'm saying the Bible is so accessible, yet I know people that are more committed and more disciplined to reading the newspaper, a magazine, a website, than the Bible itself. What's happening? No, and I wonder why, you know, truth sometimes slips through my fingers. I wonder why I'm not growing like I should. I wonder why I'm not as excited as someone else is. I wonder why I'm preoccupied with a lot of other thoughts from the music and the media and everything. And all these other thoughts are taking my attention and God's thoughts seem to get lost in the, in the noise. You see, truth will not fill my mind sitting on the shelf. It can't happen. I've got to read it. You know where I'm going. You know I'm going to end up talking about that daily Bible. I can't stop. I can't stop talking about it. I took a break for a year off the daily Bible. Bad idea. Bad I said, I'm going to take a break. Because I felt like I was just going through the motions. And here I am, started up again. And here we are talking about uh, this morning. Anybody read your daily Bible today? Oh. Well, let me tell you what it's about. It's about it's about Laban. It's about uh, Jacob trying to get Rachel. And the best line in that one is, that because he, he loved Rachel so much, he had to work for her for 17 years, actually 14. It says he loved her so much, those seven years passed like they were days. Doesn't that just sound so... Oh, so Harlequin. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, what? And I, when you're in love, when you're in love, it doesn't. I mean, it goes by quickly. It's so wonderful. I can handle it. I can take it. 
Look at the Bible says here in Deuteronomy. This was, this is the advice given to the kings of Israel. To the leaders and kings of Israel. There was a lot of, a lot of advice, but here's one of them I thought it was appropriate. God says he should keep it with him. He's talking about the, the Bible or the word, his word, with him all the time and read from it every day of his life. Well, why? He's the king. He wants to rule not just justly, fairly, wisely. The whole book of Proverbs is written to a young king named Rehoboam from Solomon about the power of the and the wisdom of reading the Word of God. You say, well, I'm not a king. You're not a king. You're not a king. You're not. The Bible says every believer is in a royal priesthood. You're a king. A little K, but you're a king. Some of you lead your family. Some of you lead your friendships, your children, other believers. I don't know. I think it's just a good idea. Keep it with you. Read it every day. It'll help you. Acts 17, this is a passage every, every preacher uses, so I'm going to use it too. When we talk about reading the Bible every day. Now the Bereans, uh, the Berean Jews were of more noble character. They had great character than the Thessalonians. By the way, Thessalonians were people you could, that, who were said to have heard about their faith all over the world. The Bereans are even above those guys. For they received the message with great eagerness. Notice that in humility. With great, they received it with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They're after truth. And they don't just take it, let somebody else think it. Oh, somebody else can think that. Let somebody else do that for me. No, they, they took it upon themselves. You know, if you read the Bible 15 minutes a day, you'll have read it from cover to cover in one year. Just 15 minutes a day. If you just cut out a TV program, last night, I try to read, I, I usually read my daily Bible at 5.45 in the morning. Right when I get up, I grab it. Well, the grandkids came over to, to stay all night so they could be snowed in with Gigi and Papa. That disrupts routine for me. I'm a very routine, methodical person. You know, oh man. So I grab, Denise goes, you better go into bedroom. They're wanting to sleep in your bed. So I'm to the couch. Go, go to the bedroom, Tim. Get what you need. Okay. I go in. I get two things. A fresh underwear and my daily Bible. I kid you not. And I walk out. Well, I got my underwear and I got my Bible. I'm good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and I go downstairs and the morning starts up. Snow is everywhere. And you think grandkids are going to stay in bed? No, they're up. Let's go sledding. Can we wait for the sun to rise? Yeah, we're ready. Let's go. Papa, let's go. And I can't read my daily Bible. I mean, I, I'm, well, okay, we're having pancakes and bacon, and then we go play a little bit, and then we go out in the snow, and it takes a while to make an igloo, and then we do some sledding. It takes a while to do that. We have hot chocolate, have a little heater going, and then we come inside and have lunch, and then we're playing some more and playing some games, and a card game or two. And you, wow, Tim, you really had it rough. I know. Somebody's got to do this, okay? And so we get through this, and it's 8 o'clock, and they finally drive away. Did you hear what I said? They finally drive away. 
Bye, have a good time. That's the great thing about grandparents. The kids can go, you know. So here I am, 8 o'clock, and, the, you know, Dallas is playing, and I want to watch him lose. So I'm watching Dallas lose, <laughs> you know, and then I'm thinking, and I'm looking, and I, and I remember this statement, you read your Bible 15 minutes a day, you can read it through in a year, and I'm going, and then I'm thinking, yeah, all I got to do is shut this off for 15 minutes, that's all I really got to do. I don't want to do that, I want to watch Dallas lose. I want to see Zeke fall down. And finally this thought goes, Tim, put it on pause. You can watch Zeke fall down all you want. Just read your Bible. So I pick up my daily Bible and I read and I'm going, man, I'm glad I did this. And I just sit there and read and meditate and pray over what I'm reading. It isn't that hard. And I'm going to tell you, I know you might see, get tired of hearing me say it. There was a day when I thought this was impossible to do. I would tell you to do it, but I couldn't do it. And I'm telling you, you can do it. And I thought, I'll do this if it kills me. Guess what? It didn't even, it didn't kill me. I didn't even get sick. I thought it would be really hard. It wasn't as hard as I made. I had this lie in my head that told me it would be hard. Now, I did say it isn't going to be happen on its own and it's going to be difficult. I'm saying there is a degree of difficulty. I'm not denying that. But it's not impossible and it's not as hard as I think. So I read, receive, I read. Third thing is I research the Word of God. I read this, read this this morning. The U.S. Treasury Department has a special group of men whose job is to track down counterfeiters. They are not trained by spending hours examining counterfeit money. No, rather they study the real thing. Is that good? That if I really want truth in my life, studying about all the lies is not going to do as much as studying the Word of God, researching the Word of God, reading the Word of God. I've got to spend a little extra energy. I've got to spend a little extra energy reading it because there's a lot of false stuff out there and I need to do my research. I think there's a video, am I right? Let's see this real quick. This will give us an emotional break. and You'll see what I'm talking about. Napoleon wasn't short. He was 5'7", which at the time was taller than average. The rumor that he was a teeny tiny man was just a piece of British war propaganda. Napoleon's true Waterloo was mean people. It's not true that humans only use 10% of our brains. No study has ever shown or even claimed that. It's just something people say for no reason. Yeah, it turns out the whole brain is important. No matter what your drunk cousin Dave tells you, there's no such thing as cow tipping. Because cows sleep lying down. Well, then, what have I been getting drunk and knocking down then? Mom! Oh, come on, I'm sorry! Touching baby birds doesn't make their mothers reject them. (laughs) Mamas love their babies. That's right. You could have saved that bird you saw when you were 10. You'd let it die. George Washington didn't have wooden teeth. His actual dentures were made of gold, lead, hippopotamus bones, and donkey teeth. (laughs) Wood. How pedestrian. There is no medical reason to drink eight glasses of water a day. Oh, now you tell me. 
Sorry, stoners. Undercover cops don't have to tell you they're cops just because you ask them. Cops are allowed to lie. That's not a thing. Whoa, wait. So are you a cop? I'm not. But, like, you could be a cop. Nah, I'm not. Vikings didn't wear horns on their helmets, and the Iron Maiden never existed. It was a hoax that was made up in the 19th century. Yeah! George Washington Carver didn't invent peanut butter. Thomas Crapper didn't invent the toilet. And Al Gore never claimed he invented the internet. That's correct. What I did do was sponsor legislation. Oh my God, you're so boring. The Great Wall of China is not visible from space. Yeah, every astronaut looks and none of us have ever seen it. But hey, well, listen to us. We're only astronauts. Not to mention, if you were ever thrown out of an airlock... You wouldn't explode. In fact, you could survive up to 30 seconds before you ran out of oxygen and lost consciousness. So, here's a question. If none of these things are true, then why do we all believe them? Simple, because they all tell good stories. It's so comforting and fun to think that Albert Einstein sucked at math too, or that cops have to do what you say if you know the magic words. But that doesn't make it true, and nothing is more part than the truth. As I watched that, I couldn't help but think, why, why is it we, I believe lots of things that are true that aren't true. I know I do. It's because I haven't done the research. I just simply haven't done the research. I haven't checked it out. I haven't dug any deeper than the statement itself or what I've heard somebody say. And so if I really want truth in my life, I've got to be willing to do some homework. Some homework. Look at this in Psalms 119. Again, Psalms 119, every verse, all 176 verses, talk about the Word of God. You want to, the, the, this is the Bohemian Rhapsody of the Bible, if you will, okay? This thing is long, the longest song there is, and it's, and well, look what it's saying. It, look at the things it says. Here's one of them. I think about your, your orders and study your ways. In other words, I, do, I look more than just read them. I do a little bit more research. Here's one up here on the screen. My eyes are tired from looking for your salvation and for your good promise. What's your eyes are tired from what? It doesn't say halo. My eyes are tired because I'm on my cell phone looking at something silly, finding the latest meme. You know, I don't know how many times I think about it's okay to play video games. I'm, not, I'm just saying is if that's all you're doing, if that's most of the time you're doing, have your eyes ever been tired from reading the Bible? Have you ever pulled an all-nighter and it was not for a cramming your head for an exam, but just reading the Word of God. Look what he says here in Psalms 119, verse 148. I stay awake all night. He's pulling an all-nighter. So I can think about what? Your promises. What do you mean, stay? I'm thinking about all night long. I'm thinking and I'm focused on the Word of God, on His promises. It takes more than reading the Word. It takes It takes some research. Okay? Look at this. And again... Psalms 119. I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. You find treasures in the ground. You find buried treasure. It takes some effort to dig, to look, to locate. 
it takes that kind of effort. Do you dig deeper? Is the extent of your Bible study a sermon? Is the extent of your Bible study just reading a couple of chapters? I'm in, I'm done. I take God's word for it. I take people's word for it. Do you do everything like that? That's going to cost you uh, $2,300 to fix that car. Oh, I think I'm going to get another mechanic to look at that. Why? Just take his word for it, like you do God. You don't research it. You don't go any deeper. Doctor says, you're going to have to... The dentist, boy, there's... You're going to have to have all this stuff, this work and stuff. Thank God I have a dentist that tries to do the minimal amount of work possible. He isn't trying to make a lot of money and do all this extra stuff. But would you just take the word of your dentist if he said, we've got to pull your teeth and start all over? Now you're going to get another opinion. But why not? If you do that with God, why not with everything? No, we, we have to research. We have to look carefully. Let me ask you, are you building a Christian library? Well, that's preachers do that. No, Christians do that. They build, they build, you don't have to have a big extensive library, but you know, what Christian books are you reading? Some extra reading that you're doing. That Red Sea Rules book, I enjoyed that from cover to cover. Reading right now, uh, Letters to the Church. And I'm also reading the Journal of Lewis and Clark. What's that got to do? I don't know, I'm just reading it. I'm learning some things. You gotta dig deeper, because that's where the treasures usually are. Look at this in James 1. But the true happy person are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people free, and they continue to study it. They do not forget what they've heard. How do you not forget what you've heard? You research, you do a little bit more. But they obey what God's teaching says. You actually apply what you're reading. Those who do this will be made happy. So I Receive, I read, I, ref- I research, and number four, I reflect. I reflect God's Word. Psalms 119 says, I want to reflect on your guiding principles and study your ways. There is no habit that can do more to transform your life than reflecting on Scripture every day. It's an amazing habit to have. I know a lot of times we think reflection is like meditation and you're supposed to sit in some crotch position and kind of let your, you know, let your mind go. Reflection is not letting your mind go. It's actually focusing your thought on something. It's disciplining your mind to think of something. And, 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 um, and, and David says this right here. He says, oh, how I love your teachings. They're on my thoughts all day long. I've learned by reflecting on the Word of God that I have more aha moments. Oh, wow. Oh, I think I get it. Than I do if I just run through it. And you say, well, I'm not very good at meditation. I'm not very good at reflection. Listen, you're a pro at it. Because if you're a worrier, you do it all the time. That's what reflection is. You're just reflecting on negative things. You're reflecting on things that worry you, that you're afraid of. So it's a choice. Instead of meditating on the things that bother me, I'm going to meditate on the things that will make me better. I'm going to think of the Word of God. And sometimes, sometimes just like I've worried, you ever worried about something all day, or maybe you've done a two or three days, or all week, you can actually do that same thing with the Word of God. 
reflecting on it. David says, I think about it all day. So that means when I'm thinking things like I'm afraid, the truth is I think about this instead. What's not what's scaring me, but think about God is with me. I should trust the Lord. Or when I feel weak and I'm thinking, about, man, I don't think I can do this. I need to think God will supply. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Or when I'm angry and I'm getting, getting bothered about something, I need to sit there and think, wait a second. I need to think about this truth. I should be slow to get angry. Slow to speak. I should listen. I should calm down. That harsh words stir up anger. This isn't going to work. I, 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 need, I need to think about the mercy of God so I can have some mercy in this situation. Or when I'm hurt, and many of us get hurt, and we go, man, this hurts, I don't like this, this hurts, then maybe the dominant thought from the Word of God I should reflect on is, yeah, but God understands. He understands. And God can heal this hurt in my life. If I don't think about it very often, I'm probably not going to believe that. But the more I reflect, the more I bring it up, the more I meditate on it, God's Word begins to work. And when life gets tough, let me I know somebody needs to hear this. When life gets tough, I'll tell you what I think about, I think about what the Bible says about God is still working. Because when it's tough, I sometimes think God isn't working. When He is, and it's always for good, it's always for my good, and He's always after holiness and growth in my life. So it's always good when it's tough. So I reflect on God's Word. And the last thing, I remember God's Word. i got to remember it. I remember what is important to me. You agree with that? I remember what is important to me. If I forget a name, guess what? It wasn't important to me. If I forget a birth date, guess what? Honey, you were right. I forgot the anniversary. And it means it's not important to me. It's a truth. But I can remember things that are important to me. How about you? Absolutely. Look at Proverbs 7, 1 says, Solomon says to his son Rehoboam, My son, remember my words. Don't forget what I have told you. This is God speaking through Solomon and wisdom speaking. Remember my words. When's the last time you memorized a Bible verse? What was the last verse you memorized? You say, I don't know. Does that really make a difference? It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Jesus on the cross quoted Scripture. Got Him through the cross. Quoting Scripture keeps us centered, keeps us focused, keeps our mind on what our mind should be on. Look at this passage here as we close. It says, Remember what Christ has taught, and let His words enrich your lives and make you wise. He goes, Remember what Christ has taught, and let His words enrich your lives. How do I remember it? Oh, maybe I put, maybe I should put something on the, my mirror, put something, put something on my computer screen, put something on the dash of my car. Got to, got, you say, oh, it'll be a distraction, like with all the other stuff you've got in your car? Come on. How are you going to handle the truth? You remember, uh, a few good men, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. The Bible says you can. You can handle the truth. But I want to ask you this question as we close. How are you going to handle the truth? Pepe Rodriguez 
was one of the most notorious bank robbers in the wild, wild west. He'd creep over the border into Texas, rob a bank, and then flee back to Mexico. The Texas Rangers got so frustrated, they decided to, to illegally cross the border and track him down. After a long search, they finally cornered him in a Mexican bar. All the lawmen had their guns drawn. Pepe could speak no English, and the Rangers couldn't speak any Spanish. So they asked Pepe's friend, the bartender, to translate. He explained to, to Pepe who they were. He, the Rangers asked the barman to explain to Pepe that they were, that they wanted to know where he had hidden all the money. And if he didn't tell them, they'd shoot him down like a dog. The bartender translated, and Pepe began to shake with fear. Tell them the money, in Spanish, he says, tell them the money is hidden in the well. Count down 17 stones from the handle, and that's where all the loot is. The bartender turned to the rangers and said in English, Pepe is a very brave man. He says that you're a bunch of stinking pigs, and he's not afraid to die. (laughs) How do you handle truth? How do you plan to handle truth? It matters. It really matters. I want to encourage you this morning to think about, are you thinking right now, is there a lie in your head that just keeps playing over and over and over again? You know, they dug up Lincoln's tomb seven times because of a rumor that somebody took the body. And it was always there. You know, you just just think about that. What lie are you believing that you're telling yourself or maybe you've heard from someone or some situation is making you conclude? Wouldn't it be nice to have what's true going through your mind? What will you do for God's truth? That's the only source you got, folks, that can really just enrich your mind and fill your mind with truth. May God give you the kind of mind, the kind of head that's filled with these wonderful thoughts we find in Philippians 4. You've got a card in your bulletin, and I know that uh, maybe you've got something you want to ask some people to pray about. Take the time to do that this morning. Maybe there's a decision you want to make. I'm deciding to read my Bible. I'm deciding. You might say, hey, listen, I want you to know I've decided to work on this thought this year. Or I, in 2019, want to think more like this and less like this. Let people pray for you. Let them pray for you all week about this. We're going to let you do that while we sing a song, and then uh, we'll sing another song, collect up all the the cards and and uh, the contribution as well. Thank you for being at it. You know, you're the faithful. Come out here in a storm like this. Wow, I compliment you. God bless you for your for your courage this morning. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for just for your your truth, Father. I. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. There's times I'm so confused what to do, what to think. My mind's got thousands of thoughts going in and out during the day. And Father, sometimes I feel good and sometimes I just don't feel like I'm really on top of things. And Lord, I just think about some of the lies I've had that have, that have just lived in my head sometimes for so long that maybe years and how you want me to just evict them, kick them out because they're doing no one any good. Father, would you give us truthful thoughts this morning? Would you help us lead us like David says, lead us into your truth, teach us your truth, 
Is there an attitude in the way, Father, keeping any of us here this morning from from hearing what you really have to say? Is our pride just crowding out any hope of any room for your truth? Lord, what are we choosing to gauge truth by? Is it our culture? Is it our feelings? Is it what we like? Is it what we see someone else doing and we think, well, I'm going to do the same thing? One time Pilate's father said to your son, what is truth? And it was at a time where he didn't know what to do. And truth was right in front of him. Father, thank you for making truth available through Jesus, through his teachings. Would you help us, Father, at the beginning of this year to make a commitment to look at our thoughts and start by looking at what is true. Help us sort them out. I know, Father, there's some folks here this morning that the lies have held them captive too long. Free their mind. Free them with your word. Free them with your love. And help us fill our minds, Father, with the most lovely, honorable, purest, best, truthful thoughts from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.